Blog Talk Radio. to wake myself up. I didn't get much sleep last night, so I'm giving myself an excuse right at the start if the show's lousy today. On February 24th, 2016, you know, I think February must have been a month where they drank a lot of beer up in the old uh, Valhalla or wherever it was. February. February. Okay? Anyway, here's what I want to talk about. Yesterday, I saw a journalist post on Twitter that he was never going to read comments again, and I accused him of playing it safe. Then, ironically, I ran into a couple of wild-eyed commenters myself, and I'm going to tell you about one of them right now. I saw a picture on Facebook that had George Bush and Dick Cheney saying that they killed a million People. So I said in the comments, which million people did they kill? Most of the people killed in Iraq seem to have been the victims of Iraqis killing each other because of religion, because of religious sectarianism. So the guy who posted the picture, he didn't reply, but someone else named Billy did. Billy replied. He said to me, are you really that stupid? Bush, by attacking and killing Saddam, opened the door to all the terrorists. They knew there were no weapons of mass destruction. That's what Billy said. They went in for the money. So I just repeated myself again. I said that if I cut you off on the highway and you get so mad, you kill the next person you meet, you can't say that I did it. So Billy said, Well, I guess it's true what they say. You have to be a complete idiot to make under $100,000 a year and still vote rat publican. And he replaced the C in Republican with KKK. So I said, look, I'm not American, so I'm not a Republican or a Democrat. I'm just pointing out a fact to say that Bush killed those people is spin. So Billy said, it wasn't any spin that taught me this. I believed George Bush, and then I realized that I was lied to. If you're so stupid not to see that, then yes, you should vote. Oh, no, no, you should be, he said, a rat publican. And then he finished off, now go and shave your mom's back. Well, the guy who posted the original picture, he's a recruiter. That's how I know him. So I asked him if Billy was a candidate for a job he was working on and he saw how he expressed himself here, would he hire him? So he did reply, but he didn't answer. He just said that many people are passionate, passionate. That's a man. That's a terrible word that many people are passionate. And Billy is benign and articulate compared to some of the regressives he's seen expressing themselves online. What a mealy mouth answer. So I asked him, I said, if he would say the same thing, if Billy was expressing himself the same way, but taking the opposite point of view, I haven't received a reply yet. Surprise, surprise. And remember, I said I ran into a couple of wild-eyed commenters. The other one was someone who calls himself a bona fide successful recruiter and used to be a regular on this show. But I'll save that one for later because right now it's time for Jerry Jerry. What show is this? The Recruiting Animal Thank you, Animal, for having me. It's a snow day here in Indiana. It's a snow day. You know what that means? No. Oh, your kids don't get to go to school? That's correct. You know what? There's not that much snow today. I don't want it's to... icy. It's very you icy. You know what? 
I, I would have called them sissies, but, you know, Martin Snyder's here. Last time I said someone was a sissy, he Ooh. said that's not a politically correct term. Yeah, that's okay. – yeah. You're not allowed to say sissy anymore. No. Okay, it just means chicken. A lot of stuff you're not allowed to say. You can think it, though. Okay, well, that's what I am thinking. And speaking of Martin Snyder, who's the president of Main Sequence, the company that produces PC Recruiter and sponsors this show, let me ask if he's here. Martin Snyder, are you there? I am here in the age of Trump. You can say what you want. Okay, look, you know, uh, just I wanted to ask Jerry, was I right about February having some special relationship to beer? February, is that a... No, no, they're, no. Nothing to do with each other. Okay, i got to talk to Martin Snyder for a second. Okay, he was telling us last week that everyone has the exact same database now. So I invited him back to finish his statement because I don't agree. So there you go, Martin. You got the floor for now. Everybody has a similar database. If you've got LinkedIn Recruiter and I've got LinkedIn Recruiter, we're all seeing the same names. If oh, you've got come talented- on. Come on. Okay, that's like saying everybody in the world is my database. You have selected certain people out of there and put them into your own personal database. That's your real database. You're not uh, – uh, uh, everybody on LinkedIn is not everybody your database. Uses, that's baloney. Everybody uses different databases. They don't use just one. They've got the private database. They all use public databases corporations and recruiters, and the fact, the idea that somebody has to be in somebody's database, that that even means anything, is out of date. It's old school. You just contradicted yourself. Yeah, everybody's got their own personal databases. Yeah, those are the real databases. Can I I ask a question? Can I interject? Yeah. Why are you arguing with the only sponsor in the history of the animal show? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I mean, it's just kind of an observation slash question. It's a recruiting animal show, and now that's a good segue for me, Jerry. Yep. I'm going to do an ad, okay? Listen to this. You're driving down the highway thinking of all the different women you know. Lucy likes you when you're funny. Mona likes you when you're sensitive. And Cheryl likes you when you're strong. And you're thinking about it. You realize it's the exact same with recruiting software. Brand X is good if you're a search firm. Brand Y is nice if you're into staffing. And Brand Z, Brand Z in Canada, is great if you're doing direct hires. But there's one software that embraces the whole you. PC Recruiter. It's for every kind of recruiting. Check it out at PCRecruiter.com. 3,000 customers worldwide. Okay. Man, that was good. That was good. That was awesome. Thank, that was thank good. you. Now I'm going to go to our guest. I don't want to say what somebody said to me about him. Who doesn't know him? He just made a joke. Greg Moran. Greg, are you there? How are you, Animal? Okay, you're the CEO. You're the CEO of Outmatch. Am I right about that? That's correct. Okay. Now, somebody told me that sounds like a dating service. Did you you ever have that problem? (laughs) Oh, yeah. That's, uh, (laughs) unfortunately, that's not the first time I've heard it. It definitely sounds like a dating service for sure, but we're not a dating service. That's okay. Right. <laughs> okay. So the first thing we're going to do, we're going to get over the song. Okay. So you pick. Absolutely. Did you pick it, or did someone pick it for you? Summer wind. This is all. No this was. This was all me. It's. It, look, if you're going to make me sing a song, it's got to be Sinatra, right? Okay. I didn't know that. No one else has picked Sinatra before. But you know what? I'm <laughs> well, actually. I'm actually going to have Sinatra sing behind this. Anybody else with me and Greg, or is it just you know the two of us as usual? Anybody? Maureen. I'm out. I'm out. Maureen. <laughs> Bye, boy. I'm. I'm game. I'm game. Kind of. Yeah. Singing. I'm a little nervous. Okay, we're gonna go now. But this time there's gonna be music, so I don't have to cue us in when the music stops and he Frank starts singing. We'll start singing. Okay, I'm gonna okay. turn you down a bit there. Okay, there we go. Let's hear it. Supposed to be coming. There it is. Great tune. Yeah, you like it? Sure. Oh, I love it. I should have cut out the intro. It's taking too much time. No, we like it. It's good. It's very good. The summer wind. Summer wind. Summer wind. From across the sea. Oh, yeah. Frankie! 
It's lingering there. To touch your hair. And walk with me. All summer long, we sang a song, and then 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 we sang a Beneath the blue umbrella sky Then softer than a piper man One day it called to you Anyway, this is Greg <laughs> Outback And you know, his PR guy got into I listed it as Outmatch.com his PR guy gets in touch with me and complains. He says, I'm not complaining, but it's just Outmatch, not Outmatch.com. But if you want to find it online, oh, it is geez. Outmatch.com, okay? It's Outmatch.com. And i got to tell you something. I went through your website. There's quite a few dead links there. Get your boys on that. Or girls, okay? You shouldn't have Will those. Do. That looks bad for you. Okay? <laughs> we, now, you got it. Okay. Outmatch, his Twitter, it's tough. Outmatch HCM. Outmatch HCM, okay? Now, what, let me ask what, you. Uh, what did you just say, Outmatch? HCM. What does HCM stand for? Uh, just That's just the abbreviation for Human Capital Management. Outmatch, just as a Twitter handle, wasn't available. So that's what we uh, I was using Human Control Mechanism. Yeah. Or that. Either one. Let me ask Either you. One. Do you know Allison Cruz, Greg, the persona girl? Um, you know, name no. rings a bell. I don't. She's a micro-celebrity, so. okay? I just learned the truth okay. today. Martin Snyder taught it to me. She's a micro-celebrity, and she wanted me to ask you this. What do you think about promiscuous networking on LinkedIn? I think it's legit. Do you have a comment, yes or no? On promiscuous networking? Sounds interesting. Yeah, you link to uh, everybody. I link to everybody. Anybody invites me to link to them on LinkedIn, I link to them. What do I care? Yeah, I, you know, look, I, I kind of have the same the same approach, right? I mean, we get I think everybody gets you know tons of LinkedIn requests on a daily basis, and I'm pretty open about it. I guess I never really thought of that as promiscuous uh, promiscuous LinkedIn networking, but sure, yeah, we'll go with it. I mean, I'm I'm fine with it. I, I watched another interview by Greg, and he's a nice, fun, friendly guy, but. You know, the guy with just lobbing him easy questions, that we're not going to do that here. I have to tell you, I don't understand what you do, so you better be good at explaining it. But you used to be a recruiter. Is that right? Yes or no? Yeah. Well, yeah, our absolutely. natural started question. My what, yeah. Why did you yeah, leave? Started my career, why sir. did you leave? Oh why aren't you a recruiter now? Jerry, that's your uh, question. No, maybe ask one question and then give him a little bit of time to answer. Okay. Yeah, Seriously, yeah. you're so, walking all over his answer. It's very uncool. <laughs> now that you've got sponsors, you need to you need to step it up a bit. Okay, so why we, uh, are you now? Ask them, Jerry. Yeah, no, I love. Look, I love the I love the space. Which started my career there right out of college, stayed in it for a number of years, um, and then around uh, probably around I guess you know like 2000 2001 got started to get more into recruiting technology. Um, so just it was kind of a, just a gradual transition, but um, you know have been have been in that have been in and around it my entire career. Loved it. Okay. I still I started to get, listen to what he said. I started to get into recruiting technology. He didn't explain why he made the transition, but okay, that's normal. Okay. Nobody usually explains. So usually here's the answer. It was too unstable. You know, I had a, I started having a family. I had to, you know, get an income. I went to the corporations. Okay. But you're yeah, no, actually that, that actually wasn't yeah. it. Um, that, that really wasn't it. We actually, I had started with a big search firm. Back yeah. in the late 90s, and uh, yeah. and uh-huh. then started my own. Uh, went off and uh, with a few partners, started my own search firm. We actually sold it, so that was actually what you know. And then after that, was looking for was looking for the next thing and next get, thing. that's yeah, how I got into your wife, technology. Isn't it true that your wife let you spend the family fortune on a computer? Did you hear what the family fortune was? It was uh, like no. This, 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 this dates me seriously. Six hundred right? bucks. But, uh, yeah, no, it was actually no. This is back like this is back when they were really expensive. So it was a desktop PC at about uh, probably about fifteen hundred dollars at the time. This is like ninety seven or something. Like okay, that. that's not expensive. Okay, I'm just doing the quick intro. You wrote a book about hiring, right? Yes or no? Yeah. 
Okay. Yeah. So yep. you should be able to ask, answer any question. Even though you're into technology now, you know everything. Okay? Now, what do you do? <laughs> now we're going to get to that. What do you do? And make it so we understand what you're saying. Okay? Please? Yeah. Basically, the way to think of it, we, we do assessment. So, uh, you know, our clients are typically big retailers, big hospitality uh, companies, large sales organizations that do early stage selection, that are doing early stage selection of candidates. These are technology to, uh, to do uh, pre-employment testing. Is okay, pre-employment testing, does that mean personality assessments primarily? Yeah, so we do, yeah, primarily, um, you know, a lot of, lot of different kind of personality testing, but um, what but, does that yeah, mean? I mean, we do a lot, a lot of, of that, kind. we do some skills what testing. What does that mean? Listen to my question. What does it yeah, mean? Yeah, so, you know, so we're doing we're doing st- standard personality stuff. We're also doing a lot of uh, a lot of like experience based testing, right? So trying to trying to see if somebody has the requisite skills for the job. Um, you know, we're we're doing uh, we're doing some cognitive testing, seeing if somebody can basically learn and develop at the pace you need them to. Um, you know, it can take a, it can take sort of different combinations like that. But yeah, I mean, you guys, I'm sure everybody on this, everybody listening right now. No, I've right never now, used it. I've never it. used it. No, no, no. For real? For, Seriously? Yeah, well, sometimes, you know, you get a person and they, there's somebody hang up on us. Thanks, buddy. Okay, well, he's just honest. <laughs> now, okay, so hold on. Sometimes when someone gets close to a hire, that's when they'll, there's a, a controversy about this, I understand. If you should get all your applicants to do these tests, if people apply online, get them all to do the tests, or just get people when they're close to getting hired. It's like reference checking. Get those guys to do the test, right? There's a controversy right. about that. Is there? What do you? Yeah. Well, you want everybody to do it, of course, right? Look, I want everybody to do it um, absolutely, and I'm and I'm totally biased in saying that, right? But but if you kind of put the obvious bias, be you know, aside for a second. The reason is, and again, I'm going back to you know thinking about my experience as a recruiter. I don't know how much time that somebody who's doing recruiting on a you know on a minute by minute basis is going to want to spend with a low probability candidate. I want to be able to, and again, when you think about it from a high volume hiring standpoint, right? Tons of candidates going through. It's really about being able to kind of get to those high priority candidates. So as a recruiter, I can spend my time with candidates who I can actually make money. Uh, okay, by placing, so it's right? a sorting, that's, for you, it's a sorting device at the top of the funnel, essentially. That's absolutely. it. Okay. It, yeah, now, well, how much, you know, I wouldn't say that's it, but yes. But, yeah, I mean, I think that's, okay. a, that's, but a, how that's much a really does it cost, big part. Then, if you get 100 candidates or 100 applicants for a job or more in these hospitality jobs, it, how much is it going to cost for each person to, to get a, a test, a reasonable amount <laughs> of testing? The way that the technology has, has gone is, you know, if you are using a test where you're paying by the test today, you're using an outdated, uh, using an outdated technology. I mean, most of the leading tools that are, on, that are on the market right now for this kind of thing are, are unlimited use. You know, it's a software license, essentially. That was really a um, lame question, Animal. It kind of shows your small, limited uh, perspective. You know what? I never understood assessment. Why is it a lame question? You're asking how much does if if you're testing hundreds of applicants at a time, you're asking how much per test. Yeah, nobody's charging per test. Don't you get a monthly a monthly user's license. Cost Jeez. of hire. Cost of hire is one of their major metrics, isn't it? You know, I I'll don't work you, there, so I don't know. It, but it's amazing. It's amazing how many companies are still paying per test today. I mean, it's not, you know, it's, it's astonishing to me, right? It sounds insane that you would do that because, you know, in a lot of cases, you're not dealing with hundreds of candidates. You're dealing with thousands and thousands of candidates. But what, what, so, so why, is that why it's in these uh, uh, hospitality jobs where, you know, if you're employing masses of people with no education uh, and you have to qualify them somehow, is that why you're, it, it's focused on that? Because I noticed when, uh, the famous Bill Borman started his uh, social recruiting. It was with Hard Rock Cafe for uh, waiters and waitresses. Right, Jerry? Uh, that was a huge success, a big a success for success. him. Yeah, that was what he was famous for. And it's funny that these the certain kinds of recruiting tools are focused on that. Mass hiring yeah. for hospitality companies. Want to tell us why? Yeah, and it's you know it's it's hospitality, it's retail, it's restaurant, it's uh, and it's also you see it a lot in large sales organizations. Where where you see it is when you've got it's not so much about you know that the candidates lack education. What it's really about is the fact that it's the same job that you're recruiting for over and over and over and over again. So it can become you can use data to make it really predictable, 
right? And that's the that's that's why you see it so often because when you've got when you've got a huge swath of people that are already in the job, right? But, you know, let, let let's say you're a you're a waiter at uh, at Applebee's, right? You've got literally thousands of of waitstaff at Applebee's. You can clearly identify from that staff what makes somebody successful as, again, I'm just kind of picking on this as a random example. As a, you, okay, as hold a, on. You know, can you make staff. it a little concrete? What does make someone a successful waiter at Applebee's? Do you know? Oh, I, no. I mean, I'm just using this as, as an example. Well, I mean, give it's us gonna, a real example. You must, okay, don't you yeah. have one profile in your head that, you know, this is what, you know, uh, this, the benchmark for for hiring for this kind of job is do you have any real example that you could actually yeah, sure. get a little I mean, granular on yeah absolutely so i'll give you i'll give you a story we actually this is just kind of just just happened to us not not long ago we've got a big it's not it's not retail but it's large sales which is kind of the same the same principle right we've got a large client of ours who uh who's a big insurance company um they're hiring literally hiring thousands of agents a year one of the big one of the big problems that they were having was one it was just taking a long time to get people hired. And the other thing was that when they were hiring these people, they were coming in and then they were failing the certification exam because to sell insurance, you got you got to be certified, right? So they're coming in and then they're failing the certification exam. So what we were able to do, it, it was look at that job of insurance sales at that organization, identify what are the key characteristics of somebody that, that's, that's successful there. And this had a lot to do, these, these characteristics had a lot to do with somebody's conscientiousness. Are they willing to um, to actually just kind of stick to it on the job, and are they willing to be honest in that role? Uh, somebody's resilience was huge. I mean, just think about insurance sales, right? It, somebody's, you know, their, their resilience was a really big factor there. Um, and then there, and then you know, some core personality stuff around, um, you know, around uh, outgoing and things like that. So we were able to build that benchmark. Then you've got candidates coming in, and literally thousands of candidates are getting tested against that. But what we also hold on, is Jerry getting bored? Is that Jerry's? Uh, how, how did you know that was me? Well, I, I know you already. Okay. Look, look. Uh, I have a Is this question. still the same show? Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know what? The... People, are, people are liking what he's saying on Twitter. They're they're saying uh, not know, people. The job board doctor. Okay. Okay. So okay. So maybe. <laughs> but somebody's going to say, "Oh, look, he cuts him off just when he gets interesting." Look. Look. Here's, look, here's, no, the, no, net, look, here's the net result. No, Frank, right? Wait a second. Here's, wait a second. Wait a second. So, are you saying that this is no good for headhunters? Like it's only for people hiring masses of people? Or if you're, you know, involved in executive search, is it useful? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, it's just it, you're you're looking at it from a different way, right? So we're talking about top of the funnel stuff, but what you're, you know, where it also is gonna it has a tremendous amount of uh, of helpful if you're to, to be helpful if you're if you're a recruiter, is just being able to be able to provide data to a client. One of the biggest problems I had when I was a recruiter, and and I got to I got to imagine, you know, I deal with recruiters on the other side now all the time. One of the biggest problems is the perception of a buyer. Right, the perception of a of a hiring manager at a client is that every candidate coming from a recruiter is the best candidate ever, right? <laughs> because that's what you're going to hear over and over. One of the big values I think that it can deliver is real objective data with the opinion of that recruiter to basically say, look, you know, I'm telling you that this guy's right for the job, but here's the here's some evidence to support it. And I think it really okay, can separate okay, the okay, okay, okay. Let me ask a question: is, Are these tests better than astrology? Uh, considerably better than astrology. Okay, hold on, and let me ask you. Let me ask you that detail. Are there lie detectors built into these tests, or can someone, you know, who's going for an insurance job, obviously see there? Oh, he wants to see if I'm friendly. He wants to see if I can tough it out. You know, if I've got a lot of true grit. Can they? You know, they can see that in the questions. Are there tricks that uh, catch them up if they're lying? Sure. I mean, any most tests have faking scales in there. Right, where what you're looking for are patterns of answers that, that can basically tell you when a candidate is trying to game it. Nobody's personality is that consistent where you, when, when you go through in every single scenario are you going to react the same way. Nobody behaves like that in real life, right? So, so tests today are really designed to pull out that faking. But the other really important part here, too, is that the candidate – one of the big mistakes that candidates can make is thinking that they know what the right answer is, because this is where the science is. This is where the ability to build the benchmark and, and, and that becomes unique for that company. It's dealing with a big medical insurance or I'm sorry, medical, uh, medical device sales company, right? They were hiring, you know, hundreds of salespeople. 
these are really high-end positions. I mean, these are like literally half a million and up, right, a year in compensation for these roles. They're hiring for them, and they're hiring this sort of classic kind of sales mentality, right, where, where you think you're, you know, it's kind of the glad-handing salesperson and, you know, go out, just make a bunch of dials and have a big exuberant personality, and you're going to be successful. What we actually ended up finding was that the, pers- the people who were selling most effectively for this company actually had off-the-charts IQs. But what they also had were really introverted personalities. So it's not always obvious, right? Because it really depends on the kind of culture of the organization. It depends on the kind of job itself. So hey, you know, it's not always obvious what the right answer is. Yeah. Isn't it true that, that IQ is pretty much the number one predictor of job success, regardless of how it correlates with other personality traits? Uh, IQ is a, IQ is a huge predictor. Yeah. Um, you know, whether, I mean, whether it's the number one predictor in all circumstances, I think could be debated, but it's a massive predictor. Uh, Absolutely. You still shouldn't put your mint on your resume. Yes, sir. Hold on. on. What, how can IQ be the number one predictor in, you know, barista jobs? (laughs) Like, and that's what he's focused. His focus is on, you know, guys slinging hamburgers, right? Well, I once had a yeah. pretty interesting conversation about this, the difference between description and prediction. So if you're talking about headhunting where there's a small number of roles and it's a unique opportunity with a team, then personality testing is probably close to astrology. But if you're talking about tens of thousands of baristas, then it, it can be predictive over a large uh, set of similar volume. Okay. Yeah, that, that wasn't you what know, I asked. Go ahead, Greg. No, I was just going to say, go I mean, ahead. It, it, yeah, yeah, it's it's a it's a good point. I mean, I think what when you're dealing with one-off kind of positions that a lot of the you know that a lot of recruiters are, I think with the value and assessment is really trying to determine is there going to be a good match between this candidate and the personality of their manager? Is there a good match between this candidate and the culture of the organization? But when you're dealing with thousands and thousands of hires, you know that that's where you really can get the data to 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 map it a lot you know, a lot more scientifically across a big scale like that. So it's, it's a good point. Anybody else got a so question? I, go ahead. I'll, Anybody? I'll another one. So, go ahead. And well, do you know, do, uh, since IQ is the number one predictor, do you know what the number two predictor is of job success? I don't know. I got this guy on the show to tell me. Ask him. <laughs> the, well, I'll tell you, the number two method is simulation. Okay. Job you simulate. But he does job simulation. That's part of your package, isn't it, Greg? Yeah, yeah, we actually we do uh, we actually do job simulation as well, and um, you know job simulation is really there's a lot of different ways you can do it, right? It can be it, we're talking about one-off roles or really high executive roles. I mean, you'll see job simulation like literally somebody going in and doing you know big inbox exercises and things like that that you guys have probably you know seen before multi-day kind of uh, kind of assessment centers that, that I've never seen it. Run. I've never seen it. Is anybody on Twitter listening to this show or anybody on the line right now? Had had uh, a simulation. That you've never seen something really means nothing to the outside world. Okay, I mean well, you're I in a bubble. See, there, I want to see. Okay, let me see if so. I often else. run into it in my limited uh, instances where companies want somebody. I, I recruit IT people, and they mm-hmm. want somebody to go through some code, or in essence, do about an hour's worth of work for free. Mm-hmm. And that's and how they perceive a, what it. What if they're a project manager, not a coder? What if they're a project manager or something like that? I don't know. You know that, there and boss some people around, tell them to get back yeah, to work, well, yeah. and you you'll need the report by Friday. Hour. I mean, I, I can do that. <laughs> Am I close? I'm pretty sure that's exactly the way it works. Right. What are those strategy charts, or like, how do they? How do they? You know. So you know, it requires more elaborate simulation design to do that, but it is possible. But simulation okay. works on much smaller groups than personality tests. Okay, let me just get into it, this, guys. His LinkedIn profile, he claims his goal is no bad hires ever. No bad hires ever. Is that like mere puffery, as they say, our legal friends say, uh, like best restaurant in town? Or do you really believe that? No bad hires ever. You know, look, I, I think what... That, what uh, uh, did you hear? So, oh, look, yeah, uh, uh, he was shrugging. Okay, do I go think, ahead. Do I think that no company is ever going to not hire somebody who's ever going to hire somebody that doesn't work out no right what i think is that the tools and the technology and the knowledge today uh, exist in a way that they haven't before right that we can use data in the hiring process we understand how to use data in the hiring process better than better than we better than we have 
okay. in the past. I right? like no and fire, no bad fire. Does, that's a nice. It's a good. It's a good tagline. It's just not a hundred percent true. <laughs> that's that's sort of what you said. Okay, and and you also said something else. Uh, here's what you said: After 20 years in talent acquisition and HR technology, Greg has learned one thing: the way most companies hire makes no sense and hurts both candidates and business. What does that mean? You go into you go into you know your your potential clients and say, "You guys are so dumb. I've been in the business 20 years, and I guarantee you don't know what you're doing." Do you say that? I would probably not say it quite like that, but I think but that's I, I what think you that said the way... on your LinkedIn profile. Don't deny it. Mm-hmm. Don't back away from it. Come on, be bold. I'm not backing away from it. I don't know. I don't know what you think I'm backing away from. No, I'm saying I wouldn't. I wouldn't say it exactly like that. But what I'm saying is that look, you guys are in recruiting. If you think that the way that this works on a regular basis inside a company, look at this. Look at the stories that you that you see unfold on a daily basis, right? The way that companies, the way that most companies go about hiring, it becomes really sloppy. It becomes really haphazard, right? You've got hiring managers who become very, you know, who are completely unprepared for interviews. This can't be new to you guys, right? And I mean, you're in your living this and I, and we see, we see the same thing. So when I'm talking about, you know, the way that companies hired doesn't make sense, it's because it's so subjective and it's so kind of it's it's just become such a frenzied thing right it's like oh crap you know this this guy just left and now i've got to scramble to replace him and it becomes the best of what i've got in front of me at that moment and that's not the way to to build a hiring process you know that's how we make a living so no but no no but no but you guys can add value (laughs) in a different way than most companies can right because you are hiring for a living you are recruiting for a living and that's not the way that most companies go about it. That's the value of a recruiter, right? You're bet you're out there building that building that network, and that that's that's different than the way that most companies go about it. That very few approach it like that. You know, to me, recruiting is fundamentally about it's a sales process, right? It's really about built in the same way that you manage a sales team, you're managing a funnel, right? And that's and the ability for a recruiter to effectively manage that funnel so that there's so that when that when that you know opening suddenly suddenly crops up that the company's not making a desperation hire, but you're back there backing them up with the right candidates. I mean, that's... So your idea that, of a funnel, that's like a talent pipeline. Is it the same thing? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And do you, do you recommend people stay in touch with email blasts, sending these out to the people in their database? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, there's different ways to do it, sure. But I think I think definitely building a, building a, building a, a usable database and being able to maintain contact with candidates that you think are going to be are going to be strong ones over you know over the over the next you know say 12 months or something like that is a really okay. important thing. Now I saw on your website you you kept saying that your process or your uh what you're offering uh actually speeds up the hiring process but we've mm-hmm. kept reading that the hiring process is slowing down. Employers are taking longer than ever to fill jobs and you know this demand for people with the right psychology and the right IQ and blah, blah, this is one of the factors slowing down the hiring process true or false I'd say it's true um I'd say it's true, but I think what, what I'm talking about where it can speed up the hiring process is that front end, right? How do you get candidates, how do you get high potential candidates into the pipeline faster? I don't think there's anything wrong with a company being really diligent about making a good hiring decision, right? I think what we're, what we're talking about is having, having hiring managers spend more time with less candidates, right? Having them spend more time with candidates who they know are a high potential for the, for the role and then really getting into the stuff that they know is going to be important that they're really hiring managers, the only ones who can figure out, right? Which is, do they have the really, the, the course? Yeah. Okay. 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 I got to do an ad halfway through the show. Now, look, everybody, what do you want from recruiting software? I'm going to tell you, you want four things, low cost, low cost. I'm sorry, low cost. Number two, low hassle. Number three, good results. And number four, good service. And that's what you get from PC Recruiter. It's made by our good friend who's on the show right now, Martin Snyder, the president of Main Sequence. He calls his product the Swiss Army Knife of recruiting because it's good for every kind of recruiting, staffing, executive search, and direct hire. It's the choice of 3,000 companies worldwide. Imagine that. If you want to be a user, go to PCRecruiter.com. 
Dude, they've had 3,000 customers since before you started working with them. And there's still a 3,000? He's only 900 now. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Man, I'd, I'd, I'd switch that up a bit. Hey, I got another question for Greg. I got another Go question ahead. for Greg. Let's hold yeah. on. Let's say let's just do an announcement. This is Greg Moran, M O R A N. You know, did people call you a nasty name uh, pun, pun on your last name when you were a little kid, Greg, at school? I don't know what you're talking about. Okay, what, let's what, forget what that. that. Okay, well, I won't tell you. <laughs> Somebody told me this morning. Somebody. Sorry, not I'm, me. I'm, okay. I'm, I'm starting to okay. twitch. Okay, so Outmatch is his company. Outmatch.com is the website. You'll find it at. And he does his focus is online assessments of potential candidates. Go ahead, Martin Snyder. Ask your question. So we have like let's take the example of Randy Moss, the old Vikings receiver. When he played for the Vikings, he was a mess. He had a bad attitude. He disrupted the team. He was uh, it was not a not an asset to the. He was a pothead. Exactly. Yet, when he went to play for New England and Belichick, all of a sudden he became a good team player and a strong contributor and a totally changed human being. Though he was Yet, still a pothead. Whatever, but had you, assessed him, they, had you assessed him before he went to New England, he would have said the same thing as you had assessed him after he went to New England, yet the results are totally different. So my question is, do you believe that assessment should encompass the work group, the people that you're going to go work with, since they change you, and you change them when you join a new company because the person you assess is dead the day after they started your company. Absolutely. Absolutely. Look, culture matters, right? And, and that, the, the relationship of that person to the manager, I mean, what made Randy Moss at, at New England successful was his relationship with Belichick, right? And you can see that you see this stuff all the time. It's why does one person go to work at UPS, you know, and fail horribly, then go to work at FedEx and become a huge success, right? Same, same thing. You're delivering packages, but it's not, right? And that's where – Having, being able to really look at culture as part of this really matters. You see it all the time where somebody is a huge success at one company and, and they you know, go to a big competitor and they completely fail. It's, that's all. Then, really, what else could you attribute it to at that point? Isn't it more than just generic culture? Isn't it really interpersonal dynamics between a select group of four or five or ten people? Like if, you have one, if you have one prima donna, you're doing well, but if you have two, it's total destruction. Yeah, yeah, I, you know, I think I think that's a, I think that's a part of it, and I, I think it's the way you look at culture, right? I mean, I'm not a big believer in culture as being something that's kind of monolithic across a huge organization. I, I, I think you know, culture. I guess what I'm sort of thinking about it, the way I think about it is that culture is really about what is that team that you're going to be a part of. Teams have cultures that are unique to themselves. You see it, you know, in large companies all the time, departmentally and. Um, you know, and just just one manager and their group have will often have a have a really unique culture, um, and and I think and it is. So I let mean, me I guess, let me know, let me let me let me let me interject. You say in your uh, marketing literature that you guys, in fact, if I remember correctly, you guys can analyze the culture of a specific department or team, and then grade candidates according to those benchmarks. Am I right about that? Yeah, you're right. You want to give us an example of the kind of culture questions you ask? Sure. I mean, we're looking at, at environmental things, right? So we're looking at, you know, is the team really um, individualistic or is it really, um, you know, is it more like kind of collective, right, is a, is a big issue. Um, what, are the, what are the reward systems like? Are they, are they really, again, heavily focused on the individual or are they more basically around team performance? Um, is it a really collaborative culture, or is it one where you're kind of off? Uh, you're off doing your own thing, and is it yeah, is it really yeah, flexible? Yeah, or is yeah, it really yeah. Maybe stable? you didn't Those hear my question. Like. Maybe you didn't hear my question. What kind of questions can you ask someone on a test or in an interview to determine what culture they prefer? Do you know, Do you, you can ask them. Come to you, mind? Yeah, I mean, you can ask them situational questions about what kind of what kind of team that they that they excel in. Right. Without without being obvious in terms of what the right answer is. I mean, you can ask candidates what, you know, in, in their past experience, what kind of team have they worked well on? Do they prefer to work with other people? Do they prefer to work individually? Do they prefer organizations where there's a lot of autonomy around decision making? Do they prefer to have really structured rules? Those are the kind of things that get at culture. Uh huh. Yeah. Would anybody else have a comment on that? I mean, the, like if you ask someone culture, to me it seems, unless you really clarify your culture questions, uh, what kind of team do you like best? Someone has to start thinking about it 
in the in the interview, and, and that's not going to be uh, a good. Not saying in the assessment. I'm saying in the assessment. You you want to be doing this stuff in the in the assessment, right? Because you're right. I mean, you start asking that stuff in a in an interview. They're already in your office. They they get a sense. You get an immediate sense of how this of how the work environment is, right? You want to be doing this stuff earlier than that because if you've got a candidate that's clearly not going to be a good culture fit, it's probably not a candidate you want to move forward. Okay, my 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 uh, question was a little different. It's that those are questions that are so vague and broad. They're hard for anyone to answer. Uh, You really have to break the culture down into categories for the person. Do you like to work on your own better than with a group? That's one question. What kind of – give me one more, okay, that's easy to answer. Sure. Uh, Let me just think of one here. I mean around – so I would say around stability, right, stability of the organization. Um, Are you more comfortable working in a scenario – where you are where the rules are strict and unchanged or are you more comfortable working where where everything is clearly defined or are you more comfortable working in an environment where there are no rules and you're able to make up make up the you know the the make up the situation as you go. I mean, I'm not doing a good job of wordsmithing this, but you get the point, right? Uh-huh. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I don't want to get the point. I actually want to get some questions, but, okay, you're not prepared for that. Let me ask you another question. I think you just compared FedEx and UPS, uh, two, two package delivery companies. Were those the two, FedEx and UPS? That's the example I just gave you. Okay. Do they actually have conflicting cultures? I was just hoping you could give us an example of two companies that are really different culturally, and obviously to us, too. And, and just specify, culture is such a, a nebulous term. I'm just wondering if you could, you know, nail it down for us a bit. Yeah, American Airlines and Southwest Airlines. Um, United Airlines and Southwest Airlines. Um, you know, airlines are usually pretty easy to where you start to see these things as, where you start to see the, the differences emerge. Um, you know, we do a lot of work with, uh, we do a lot of work hey, with hey, Disney. Hey, hey, right? hey, Disney's hey, got a, hey, 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 hey. You, yeah. yeah, Southwest and this other airline. What's different about them culturally? I want you to specify. I, I don't. You don't like these questions. I can move on, but I have to ask them. Okay? Does anybody else have a better question for him? There's lots of people on the line. Come on, speak up. Everybody what, says I never give what, anyone a chance to talk. What do you want me to tell you? The differences between Southwest? Yeah, and yeah, I mean, yeah. Again, pick a company. You know, this is what, I don't. I don't work at either one of them, right? But I mean, it, you know, if I'm looking at it from the outside. What what the work environment at say Southwest is being being let's let's focus on flight attendants right and I only say this because I spend like half of my life on airlines when you're when you're working at when you're working at Southwest it's a they're looking for a different type of person that's going to work on that airline than say when you're working at more at one of the more mainstream mainline airlines right it's it's not to say that one is wrong and one is right it's just to say that somebody who's going to be successful at one of the more mainstream yeah, okay. airlines. I understand you don't want to answer the question. You would be, if you were answering this question, you would be saying, look, everybody, this is the kind of flight attendant they're looking for at Southwest, and this is the kind they're looking for at United. These are the specific characteristics that are different. But you don't want to answer that. That's okay. Nobody does. <laughs> Nobody I, can make, does. I can make it up. Culture, it. culture, culture. <laughs> but, you know, when it comes down to it, it's always the same thing. Do you like to work by yourself or, or do you like to be micromanaged? You know, that's but those about are, it. Those are, they are. What's the, the culture that, at your company? What you're What's the for? culture at your company? Which culture at ours? It's really, it's, it's a, uh, it's a high growth culture. Um, it's a really dynamic environment where somebody that somebody's that that has thin skin is not going to work out well here. Somebody that can't deal with change very quickly is not going to work out well here. Um, somebody that is is really quick on their feet to be able to move into you know whether that's a, whether that is a changing strategy or it's a changing approach on something. That's the kind of person that's going to excel. Um, you know, it's a it's a it's a strong personality that that will make somebody win here. Um, you just, versus, you know, you just, you know being more like timid. a Steve Jobs atmosphere. That's why you have to have thick skin. Are you like Steve? Uh, I, I wouldn't compare Very myself blunt, to Steve Jobs. No, blunt and aggressive. I, I would not. Comp- no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't compare myself to Steve Jobs. I'm telling you what our culture is. Not uh, okay. you know, anybody not anybody else. else. Anybody else? Really, uh, Jerry? Anybody? I'm the only one asking questions. Anybody got something? Anybody got Can a question? Me? It's Jackie. Can you hear me? I have a question. Go ahead, Jackie. 
the famous so, Jackie Clayton. Go ahead. So my question is, like, when you're doing pre-hiring for culture, if companies are trying to find that culture fit, do you help them determine between the culture they actually have versus the culture that they wish they have? Yeah, that's a great that's a great question, and you know it's it's one that I think I've probably had with every single client that we've gone through this process with. Um, you, you've got to understand what you have, right? If you're going to be making hires today, you've got to understand what your culture is today, right? Because a candidate that you're hiring today is not going to be working in the culture three years from now. They've got to make it to that point and be successful in the meantime. I think you you can certainly have some aspects of of you know that are kind of that are aspirational where do you want the culture to evolve to but you've really got to you've got to be you've got to take a hard look at where you are today um and then hopefully get candidates who can evolve into where it's going um but you know i've just seen i've seen so many so many situations where companies try to hire for where that they where they want to be in a few years but the problem is that gives the candidate a really bad sense of what this is going to be like, and they end up flaming out. So you, you really need to be, be realistic about where you are today. Okay. You know, and, Michael and Cox, how do you get that information? Go ahead. go ahead. How do you get the information? How do you know? Yeah, well, you as an organization, your organization is coming into a, a company to analyze what their culture is, how are you getting that? And, and as Jackie mentioned, how can you be sure that's actually what their culture is? Yeah, so or ultimately, not just a wish list of what they want their culture to be. Doesn't right, Michael Cox wanted... sound like he just got out of bed? Texas is only an hour behind us, right? Wake up. <laughs> oh, I got to say something else about this guy as well. Just let me. He's on the line, right? And he's. He, I just looked. He's all over Twitter. He's saying we test every candidate. He's a, he recruits uh, salespeople primarily, I think, for uh, yes. a 500 person division of Xerox, if I'm not mistaken. And he's putting out right. here, oh yeah, we do it pretty much for all jobs. And I'm begging on the show, hey, somebody want to ask a question? Somebody want to ask a question? He doesn't put up his hand and say, you know what, I've got a lot of experience with this. Let me tell you about our experience. Thanks, Mike. Thank you. Hey, I just I just called on. I was online. Sorry. Go ahead. So what were you saying? All right, so I think you were, you were asking me how do we know, right? And, and the way what we want to really understand is not a wish list. It's not, you know, here's what we want to be. It's looking at the top people in that organization, whether that's in just a department or it's, uh, you know, it's in like a specific work group, right? It's looking at their top performers. I don't mean their top people by hierarchy. Who's getting it done, right? Who are their, who are their top performers within that, within that group or company or whatever, sort of size population we're dealing with. And then it's the top 5%. Yeah, exactly. And then it's giving, it's giving them the same kind of assessment that candidates are going to take. That's how you avoid the wish list, right? Because what we want to know is what's making people succeed today, not what do we want it to be, right? Or what do we wish it was? But But wouldn't that just give you the, the five, the 5% view of the culture though? I mean, if you want to know what the real culture at a department is, um, you know, you'd be speaking to everybody versus just, you know, the, the top one or five percent of the individuals within that department. Yeah. So what we're doing, what we're doing, I mean, again, you know, kind of take it down a level, right? What we're what we're actually doing is we're we are testing everybody within that organization or department or wherever, you know, within that job role or whatever whatever that sort of scope is, right? We are testing everybody, but what we're waiting that what we're waiting that benchmark is on it's those it's those top people because again this is what we're trying to do this is about predicting performance of a candidate right in order to to predict performance we want to use data that we can understand and that data is what's making people succeed today that's ultimately what we want to what we want to try to get out of it so yeah when we're looking at the statistical analysis of it i mean we are actually looking at what's the you know what does it look like within that population that we want to that we want to build on right and then how is that different from say low performers and mid performers. Yeah, okay. Right? You know, because not so only obvious, do you I don't believe he needs to have this told to him. According here's what something. According to a twenty fourteen, only, you know, less than two years old, Aberdeen study, only fourteen percent of organizations have data to prove the positive business impact of their assessment strategy. What do you say to that? Yeah. Yeah, it's a mess. It's a mess. Um 
I mean, it's terrible. And, you know, where I think you're going to see assessment going in the future, and I know we're, we're doing a lot of this now, is basically be able, you've got to be able to measure this stuff. You know, assessment for too long has been, it's like black magic, right? It's like it kind of sits there in a black box and nobody, you know, nobody's, nobody, everyone's afraid to turn it off because they think they're going to break something if they do, and, but they don't know if it works. And I think where most tools are going today, we're, we're doing this today, is, to be a, is real-time measurement. What's happening post-hire and then being able to take that data, collect it from both the hiring manager and the candidate, now the new hire, uh, in short time after, you know, post-hire, and be able to bring that back to that underlying benchmark and say, how well is this predicting? That also gives you that real-time insight into the ROI of the tool. Um, it, it, you know, organizations should not be spending nearly the amount of money they are on a piece of technology without having any understanding if it's working. And, and what companies have to look at is having the tools to, to be able to measure this. On okay, a, on a okay. you know basis. what? No need to be uh, verbose here. This is not that kind of show. So when you go into your new potential clients, your prospects, you take records from your previous clients or your current clients and say, look, after they hired us and started using our techniques, their bottom line went up this much, their revenues. Are, is that what you're showing them? Sure. Yeah. What, I mean, you can that, go into is that an organization. Is that the data yeah, so, you're? Yeah. I mean, that's the kind of data that we're. That's the what kind about of data retention? we can collect. But retention is that one of the things that you factors that you're you're using, you're measuring? Yeah, we're, we're typically looking factors? at. It's going to depend on the job, right? But we're typically looking at retention is a big one, and and performance, however that's defined on the on for that particular job, is the other big one. So that scenario I gave you before about the insurance company, right? What we actually saw, turnover was not the biggest driver there, but what, the big driver was their time to hire, and they saw a 30% reduction in the time to hire. But more importantly, what they actually saw was, this, was a reduction in the amount of candidates who were failing the licensing exam, and it actually was down by 90%. So what, what you ended up with is a 10% failure rate versus a, you know, versus a huge failure rate before. That's the kind of thing we're looking at. But that was relevant to that job, and it's going to depend on the job. Okay, your Sarah Glass from your company, she said yeah. on her on her web page on your site, the internet has changed recruitment tremendously over the last ten years. Candidates search for jobs online, go through the application process online, and take assessments online. Companies are amazed at their ability to tap into a whole pool of candidates and get plenty of data without even talking to them. Can you hire people on that basis without, without talking even to talking them? to them? Yeah. No. No, and not? I, that's not what Sarah's saying. No, you can't. I, I, mean, I, 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 I didn't finish what she said, but you go ahead and tell me. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I thought that's no, no, you go me. ahead. You're the guest. I no, you cannot hire somebody without speaking to them. If that's if that's a question you're asking, me, you cannot hire to somebody without speaking to them. I Why think not? that would be a terrible. Why idea. not? Why not? Because these are humans you're dealing with. Right. I mean, yeah. do, you, do you really want to pigeonhole somebody into that corner and say, look, based on your test scores? I mean, everybody who has kids on this call, right, or listening to this, understand the fury that, that, you go in, that people go into when their kids are pigeonholed based on test scores alone. Right. It's not about that. It's, a, it's still about that human to human contact. It's got to be about that. Hiring managers still have to decide if they like somebody. The reality is we've got to work with this person, you know, an ungodly number of hours of our lives. And if you, you know, th that's a human-to-human that's a -human contact. What assessment can do, though, is help you prioritize. That's the big piece of this. Really? So the assessment tells you who to bring in to interview. Then in the end, uh, from those guys who are, who are segmented by the test, then you go with your gut. It's the same old thing to choose from them, but you're, you're choosing from a, a better pool. Is that right? You're using your intuition to choose from a better pool of candidates. Is that right? Gut feel is still is going to play a role here, and it uh -huh. should, right? Uh -huh. We still I, have I gotta to tell you. I have to tell you, I think that if you have a resume and a good personality uh, or skills or whatever you're measuring, uh, IQ test, I don't really understand, and I didn't get into it, all the different things you're measuring. But if you've got a good assessment and you've got a resume, you don't even have to talk to them because you know this is somebody you're going to like. You know this is somebody who's got a culture – uh, or an attitude that fits into your team. And if the resume is honest, then you've got uh, somebody who's got the skills that you want. Okay? I have more confidence. That's a big if.
than you do. That's a huge okay? right. How do you? But how do you know that? How do you know that that resume is? How do you know that that resume is honest? And how do you know that this is somebody that you're actually going to get along with and want to work with 50, 60 hours a week sometimes, right? How, so how testing do you know won't tell me if I get along with somebody, right? Testing it's, alone. Testing is going to tell you. Testing, testing is going to tell you if you've got personalities that, that are going to mesh. Testing is going to tell you if this, if this person's going to fit into your culture. Testing is not going to tell you on a human level if you're going – no more than, no more than, at, you know, than like uh, you know, eHarmony or something like that is going to tell you definitively if this is the person you're going to marry. What it's going to tell you is, is this a person that you're probably going to get along with? And the rest – that's 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 got to be up to that hiring manager. Okay, that what percentage? To, to tell me what percentage of the information that you need to make a hire comes from the resume and the testing alone, without the without the interview. I, I mean, I don't know that there's a real clear answer to that. If I if I went out there, I'd say that probably I'd say it's probably fifty fifty, or it's probably you know sixty forty maybe slanted toward the assessment and, and resume. But um, but I, I can tell you this. That that personal connection is a deal killer if it's not there. Anybody want to take sides on this with me against him? No. And I appreciate, Greg. I appreciate your uh, humility, uh, humility and humble approach to the whole thing. Actually, that's a, okay. that's unusual in a testing vendor. Okay. Yeah. Thanks. Okay. Have we have we missed anything? Is there anything we we haven't talked about that you'd like to talk about? Animal, you cannot stand a kind word on your show. <laughs> I Go tried to. The other to I, I thought that kindness. Okay. I Go thought that my uh, I thought that my Sinatra rendition was going to uh, was going to like calm him down before we got started, but I guess I, I, was, I was off. We went a little long, but I I enjoyed it. Is there anything? I'm giving you a chance, is, uh, Jerry. Is there an after show, or did Jerry hang up already? This is not his kind of show. Jerry's gone. No after show. You're lucky about that. He never does them anymore, anyway. Okay. So, uh, is there anything? Greg Moran, the CEO of Outmatch, a testing company, an online assessment company. Is there anything I haven't asked you that you'd like to tell me now? No, look, I, I, you know, th- this is fun. I, I really appreciate it. And, uh, you know, I, I, think, I, I think just the thing that th- th- we started getting into this at the end, but it's really about a company not only, not only using assessment at the, early, at the early stage, but if you're not measuring it post-hire, You've really got to you really got to examine where that money's spent, and I think that's that's where if if a company's looking at us or they're looking at other assessment companies, I think what you've really got to be looking at is 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 it supportable? Are the results there, and can they be measured in in you know in real time? And I think that's got to be what where we start to measure this stuff. When we talk yeah, about you, you, you know, know what, no, no, you're not doing stroke. yourself any favors now. You just sound kind of verbose now. You're a good guest. I like you, but don't <laughs> overtalk. Okay, don't overtalk. You, then I got well, nothing to say. Okay. It's a, and I just want to thank again my sponsor, Martin, uh, Martin Snyder, who's been uh, asked a few good questions as well. PCRecruiter.com. Check it out. Greg Moran, Outmatch.com. Thank you! Hey.